if you do not have your life figured out, that is normal. It is more unusual to, to go in as a college freshman, you know, know exactly what you want to do and then pursue that with no bumps, no, you know, no major bumps. And you, you go and you pursue a career in that field. That is, it's lovely for people who do have that, but it is certainly not the norm. Uh, that there's usually some sort of bump, there's some sort of, you know, some stepping back and being like, wait, is this the right path for me? Or, you know, uh, switching uh, your field between undergrad and grad school. Or people end up doing careers that had nothing to do with their undergrad major. And that's totally fine. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. Hi, Taylor. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you came. So you are here today to talk about such an important and common concern that students have both coming in for mental health counseling or just seeking guidance, advice, direction throughout their time in college and beyond about career. Mm-hmm. Career. What is career? What does that even mean to you? Yeah. Gosh, you know, that's such a kind of a, a, a big question, right? And, you know, for me, from my perspective is career is what we do day in and day out, you know, to support ourselves, to support our families, and to build a purpose around in terms of what we do in our lives. And so sometimes career can be, depending on the situation, can be, you know, your typical nine to five job. Sometimes it can be your own entrepreneurship. It can be um, what you do if you live in a community environment, what you do to support your community, um, what you do to support your family. And so um, I know that's a super broad definition, but it really is. It can look uh, so different and be so many different things. But basically, what do we do on a day-to-day basis for our work? Okay. So, yeah, and that is relevant to college students. Why? Well, you know, a lot of the, you know, one of the main purposes of going to college is to make ourselves more qualified for a job, right? Or for a particular career. Um, So career is kind of the name of the game in some senses, right? Although day to day, usually students are focusing on their grades and classes. The end goal really is to be qualified for the job that they want. Okay. So arguably career concerns affect almost everyone who's heading to school. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's talk a little bit about exploring career choices and just the decision-making process, because we're talking um, sometimes about people who are 17, 18 years old being asked to declare what they want to do potentially for the rest of their working lives. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what can come up around that for students. Absolutely. And that's with uh, my research background and my background in counseling. That's one of the big parts of what we uh, what we work on is, well, how do students make this choice and how can we support them in making that choice? So for, yeah, for somebody who's 17 or 18, you imagine you, you're usually at a point where you have some sense of your interest, right? Of uh, there's certain classes you may hate, certain classes you may love, and that might give you a sense or maybe some extracurricular activities you've done, give you a sense of what things you enjoy. 
uh, maybe what environments you like to work in. But for the most part, 17 or 18 year olds are still just figuring themselves out, right? Literally just becoming adults. Um, so a lot of the factors in, you know, what we call kind of career exploration and decision making is getting experiences, uh, getting consultation from people that they trust or people in their field, you know, practicing different skills, getting better at their job, right? Or getting better at the, you know, the relevant skills to the job they want to have. Um, so career exploration, it really is a wide spectrum of things that students do to figure out uh, what major they want to pursue and what job they want to pursue with that major. Where do values fit into this conversation? They're a huge part. Um, and that's one thing that you know, in my research uh, with my colleagues is a big thing. We, we kind of frame it in terms of what we call outcome expectations, which is basically, so what happens if I pick this career, right? So for some people, you know, money's a big component, right? Of wanting to have financial uh, stability or kind of above financial stability, right? Of, you know, that that's a big factor. For other people, it's being able to help others, right? That the work is really meaningful in terms of giving back. For other people, creativity is a huge component of how much can I kind of test myself mentally in my work? How creative can I be? And so values are a huge factor. And that's one thing that I think a lot of times when people think about career exploration, they think about just interests. You know, what am I interested in? But when you add values to it, you can have people who have very similar interests, but the right career for them could be very different um, depending on what their values are. I want to talk a little bit more about values because they're so fundamental to the way we navigate these important choices that can shape years, decades, the, the whole trajectory of our life, which by the way, no pressure, right? There's so much pressure involved in this. Do values change? Yeah, absolutely. What somebody's priority is, is that's also part of growing up, right? And part of the college process is we learn more about who we are. Sometimes at 17, 18 years old, we don't always know who we are, or what the most important thing is to us, right? So that developing our values in college is a big part of that experience. And of course, with that, values can shift, right? So for example, somebody could, uh, maybe they, they're not thinking too much about whether their job helps others or not, or whether their field is, you know, uh, altruistic, you know, helping others, helping humanity or not. But then they have an experience. Maybe they have a, you know, engineers without borders or like, you know, some sort of student organization they get experience with. And they realize this is so meaningful. This, this makes me excited to get up in the morning. You know, this, is, this, this drives me. And that can make a huge shift on what a student may want in their career. And I imagine we'll talk a bit about it, but a big factor in career exploration is people changing their majors. Uh, that that's a huge, huge part of, you know, in our research, we find, you know, usually people, people are getting really decided on their career path, usually by their junior or senior year. You know, I think that may surprise some people of, uh, for freshmen and for sophomores that uh, if you have a career and you stick with it, that is great, but that's not normative. Um, you know, that people change their majors all the time, and that's such a normal part of the process. I hear you trying to say that's a normal part of the process, and it's making me reflect on, like, I definitely changed my major. Um, me too. And I, yeah, okay, good. And then I even changed my direction, actually, between undergraduate and graduate school, which is not always an option for some folks, or sometimes you need to go back and do some additional coursework to have that option. But uh, yeah, it took me, it took me some time to figure out 
I had a theme, like I almost want to say, like I knew the neighborhood. I did want to mm-hmm. help people. I did want to engage with people, but that that's a very broad set of possibilities that, that it took me some time to figure out exactly what that was going to look like for me. We're talking about it now from a relatively comfortable position, right? Like you've mm-hmm. made binding decisions about your professional trajectory, as have I. That doesn't mean we couldn't do something different, but probably this is it, you know, for, mm-hmm. for us. Um, and which is, I think, for both of us, pretty wonderful, right? The idea that this is it. But was it always that way? Was it always wonderful? And what kinds of stresses, mental health impacts can come from changing your major, not really knowing yet, just that searching that can go into this journey? Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point that we're talking from a position of, kind of we've, we've gone down our path, so to speak, but for, for college students, it's a huge factor and it can be a huge stressor because, you know, your career, your job on average is about, you know, let's say about eight hours a day, you know, five days a week or six days a week, right? Huge part of your life that you're making a choice about. And that, of course, impacts mental health, right, of what you do for that much of your life. And so both, you know, making a choice of a career you like and so kind of supporting your mental health in that way, but also just the decision-making process itself is anxiety-inducing because of the pressure. And, you know, it's it's such a common factor that in, in our research, we literally have a scale that measures a career decision-making anxiety because it's so common of people feeling really anxious because of the weight of the decision. And, you know, I think from a mental health perspective of, that anxiety sometimes makes it hard to even engage with the exploration process, right? It might make, uh, might give you pressure, you know, that, that pressure of making the right choice make people feel like I can't even engage with this, you know, it's just too much. This is overwhelming. And that's totally understandable. Um, And it can be really hard, especially when there's so many options. A lot of times, you know, UF students are really talented. So there are multiple fields they could be really successful in. In some senses, that's a good problem to have. But in other senses, that is overwhelming. I'm thinking, and some people respond to the anxiety by getting depressed too, right? Or the not succeeding in their first plan yeah. can cause a lot of sadness, hopelessness, despair, shame, mm-hmm. and can lead to some other, yeah, just shutting down, just feeling like they don't necessarily know what life could even look like if it doesn't work out to become a medical doctor, just for example. Absolutely. That's, that's a really important point. Yeah. The, the idea of that resiliency when your first choice doesn't work out because one other aspect of this is our careers, our work, especially in this culture is a lot. Our identity is a lot about our work, about what, you know, one of the first questions when, you know, at a party, people ask you, what do you do? What's your major? You know, if you're in college, So when people, when their first choice doesn't work out, either because they're not interested or because their skills don't line up with that choice, it can feel really depressing. It can feel really discouraging because that field can be part of your identity. You know, if you have that intention, you know, for example, with the doctor, uh, you know, medical field of, if you had that intention of, I'm going to be a doctor, you know, my my family has doctors, I want to really work as a doctor. And if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, that can be a huge loss. It can almost be the two aspects of it can be anxiety inducing the question of, well, what do I do now? 
And it can also be a sense of loss in terms of this was something I really wanted or this is something I, I had expected. And now that that's gone. Where does or where can family fit into this? Yeah, family is a huge component in both, can be in both positive ways and also some difficult ways as well. We talked earlier a little bit about values. And so for some people, it's really important to be in harmony with their family, to have their family be on board with what, uh, what career they pursue. Um, so you imagine if your family, for example, uh, wants you to be a lawyer, you know, perhaps that there's, for whatever reason, that that's really important and you do not want to be a lawyer or it just doesn't seem like quite the right fit, that that can be a source of conflict. So that can be one stressor. But depending on the student, depending on the student's values, it could be that, well, I don't like being a lawyer very much, but this is really important for my family. And because of that, I am willing to pursue this path, even though it's not my top choice. And if that's the student's value, that's a valid option. I think sometimes people are look, you know, are looked down upon or shamed for picking a career path that isn't necessarily their their most passionate subject. You know, if they if they make that choice for other reasons, um, you know that that sometimes is stigmatized. But depending on the person's values, that's totally okay, right? If it's really important for you to be in harmony with your family, that's a valid choice. Whereas maybe for somebody else in a similar situation, if you know their their values a bit more of, I really want to pursue a field that I'm the most passionate about. I'm just going to have to deal with the conflict with my family. If that's kind of more their value set that's valid too. And I think that's a great example actually of what we were talking about of people can have similar interests or in this case, a disinterest, um, but make a very different choice. That seems so important. And I, I think we, having grown up in the United States culture as a white person in kind of the Western uh, individualistic, follow your dreams, follow mm. your bliss kind of idea. And then having the, you know, certain white privileges that come along with that messaging that it can be tempting, I think, to impose some of that onto others to say, well, why aren't you just following your heart or why aren't you just following your passion? And so I love how you explain that because I think if it's congruent with your values, um, we all have to make certain sacrifices and priorities in our lives and that that can be we need to we need to really respect and support people who hold that value there's not just one right way to figure out what you want to do and what's going to fit in the overall picture of your life absolutely I, i'm so glad you named that of um, you see that especially come up with the context of kind of white privileged or uh you know eurocentric values um, and there's that risk of, especially we're in a, a society that values that a lot, that, that those that set of values, those individualistic set of values tend to get prioritized. And for individuals, if that's their value set, that's great, you know, it, you know, to be congruent if those are your values. But if those are not your values, if you come from a cultural context where um, other factors are more important, or perhaps personally, even if you come from a Eurocentric background, but you, you know, your values are more aligned towards family or towards whatever other factors come up outside of interest, that that's valid too, that there are different ways of uh, negotiating what's a right fit. I do want to bring up something now that is just heavy on my heart. As I remember working with a number of students 
who were here on international visas studying. And they had received some support from family to be here or received support from their government to be here and study and pursue a certain track so that they would then go back to their home country and you know, fulfill that career. When I have um, worked with students who weren't doing so well academically in that career track, whether they discovered that they hated it or it was academically just not the right fit for them, that can really cause distress and deep distress because, mm-hmm. because often going to school here is tied to success in that major or that graduate program and just I I have spoken to some students who were really contemplating suicide instead of going back home to face their uh, families their communities their government with maybe not being successful uh, finishing out or just not wanting to do what they had had set out to do and so things can get really difficult depending on what your culture is, your family, the set of circumstances and the supports that may or may not be available to you. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a huge factor, especially um, for for international students or for even for students who are just on a scholarship for a particular major, that it's tied to their major choice. It's tied to um, certain GPA and because of consequences, right? Of, you know, if you don't pass your program, if you don't, um, or pass your courses, or if you can't per- continue in your major, that the consequences are very, very high. I appreciate you naming that difficulties with career development can be tied to suicidal thoughts or wanting to, to harm oneself because it is, again, it can be such a big part of our identity and our success, right? Um, and our value or, you know, or as perceived value as people and and our yeah i was thinking about scholarship students first generation students Mm -hmm. um feeling like so much is riding on them to come to college and pull it off and they bring the pride of the whole family and then it's it's almost like they don't have as much permission to struggle and kind of figure it out as others do who have more financial support just for example yeah that's well and that's a great example too of there can be that that pressure and a lack of support particularly for first generation college students of you mentioned the example of well maybe if their family's gone to college you know they can normalize hey it's okay to change your major you know it's okay that if you fail a class you can retake it you know there's certain kind of knowledge that's passed down generationally because the parents, the grandparents have that experience of having gone to college that a first generation college student just doesn't have that. And so they're left on their own to try to figure out, you know, what is okay? What isn't okay? What, you know, what are my options if something goes wrong? You know, things like medical withdrawal, I think some students aren't aware of that that's an option to help them uh, be able, you know, to be able to be successful in the long run if they're dealing with a difficult time. Right. Like, is there a safety net? What does it look Mm -hmm. like? What can it offer? Even not knowing that there could be a safety net uh, because maybe there really hasn't been growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It gets, it, it gets complicated and, and it makes sense now that we're layering in some of these other pieces, why someone who might say they're coming in for career counseling actually 
has some other needs mental health wise that are part of that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's one of those things that I think sometimes people kind of account career counseling as being kind of outside of all, you know, other kinds of counseling, but as somebody who specializes in career counseling, you know, because of factors like the ones we just named, it's like, oh no, career counseling is, is central to counseling, is central to mental health. Um, you know, of course, people can have mental health challenges outside of career and they can have career challenges or concerns that may not necessarily venture in the realm of mental health. That's certainly possible, but there's a bigger intersection between the two than I think people give credit for. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Everyone needs support, and sometimes something as simple as a letter can make a difference. UFCWC's Letters of Care campaign is a unique way for Gators to connect and receive compassion, support, and understanding from a fellow Gator. Once you submit your request for a letter, it will be anonymously sent to one of the UFCWC's aware ambassadors who will write you back a letter of care within five to seven business days. It's your own personal aware care bear. Request your letters at counseling.ufl.edu forward slash letters. I wonder if you would be willing to talk about your career development, Taylor. Mm -hmm. And I'm aware that you're doing some other episodes with us about other aspects of your journey, your identity. But to any extent that feels appropriate, layering those in, and just giving us like a little story of how you came to be where you are and some of the important milestones in your career development process. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking about some of the things we talked about that a lot of those things are, uh, are touched upon in my own career story. So initially when I was choosing my college major, when I was 17 or 18 years old, I was coming out as transgender. And at that time, there wasn't really insurance coverage for transgender medical issues. So basically everything was paid out of pocket. Um, and I wasn't sure if I would have the support uh, you know, financially that I would need to be able to do that. And so I chose chemical engineering as my major when you know, I had some interest in chemistry. So it felt like it could be a good fit. But really, it was because I knew that that was a major I could make $100,000 you know, right out of undergrad, especially if I did a good job. And you could pay for a lot of surgery. Yeah. And wow. transition and, and hormones. And yeah, so basically to be able to take care of myself, because that's speaking of values, right? Of I wanted to make sure that I could take care of myself. I picked a major that, you know, it wasn't a terrible choice. Like I didn't go out of my way to pick a major that I didn't like. I thought, you know, engineering is cool. I like chemistry. You know, this this seems like it could be a good fit. But it really was more about the fact that I would have that financial stability. I knew that there would be a job market and I knew I'd be able to support myself. And so I chose that major and then I started pursuing it and it did not go so well. Um, Turns out my interest in chemistry was kind of limited to high school chemistry. Uh, I'm not very good at math. Uh, You know, I'm, I'm fine at math, but like not certainly at, you know, taking Calc 2, Calc 3. Those were the... I joke that those were the happiest C's I got in my uh, college career because um, I, I just barely passed. I think I didn't. I don't think I even made it to Calc three. I think I just did Calc two. But um, I realized very quickly that you know we mentioned earlier, like with the example of becoming a medical doctor. But for me, I'm like I am hitting my ceiling in this field. I don't like it, and I'm cho- and I chose it for reasons that 
you know, that I think we're, we're good or valid, but I was just like, there has to be some other way. This is, this, this is not adding up. And so there are a couple of things on the horizon that we're working out. One was that thanks to the advancement of transgender rights, it was looking more like there would be insurance coverage for surgeries and for uh, hormones potentially. And so I was thinking of, okay, so maybe this huge pressure, and, and by the way, like uh, medical treatment for transgender issues can be, can cost up to in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it was potentially very expensive over the long run without insurance. But so there was that prospect of like, okay, maybe I'll have some more financial medical support. There was the factor of, okay, what do I really want to do with the rest of my life? You know, what do I want to do for those eight or so hours a day? And you know, there was the fact that I was kind of hitting my ceiling in terms of academic potential that I probably could have finished my engineering degree, but it would have been rough. It would have been lots of happy C's, you know, so to speak, in terms of just, just making it through. And that's not what I wanted for myself. I wanted to be in a field where I could thrive. And so within a couple of days, I'm like, okay, what am I really interested in? And what am I really willing to put all my energy into to be successful? Even if it's not the most profitable major, if I'm good at it, surely there'll be a job for me. That was basically my logic. My 18, 19 year old logic was, you know, so kind of throwing out, uh, you know, out the window, you know, the, the ways I had restricted my choices based off profitability um, if I threw that out the window, what would I choose? And so I chose psychology because I love psychology. I think it's super interesting. Mental health is something that I'm really passionate about. And so I chose that path and it was a much better fit. And there was the reality of like, I was looking at it for what I wanted for my life and my career. I'm like, okay, I'm going to grad school. <laughs> that's that's going to be part of it. And I'm okay with that. And so I made a game plan of how I would pursue this path. And I am, you know, knock on wood, going to have achieved that path, getting my PhD in psychology uh, this spring or summer. Wow. I picked it for a valid reason at the time, but my value shifted a bit, right? And so it didn't seem like as good of a fit, you know, and thinking about passion of like, what do I want to do? What do I want to uh, invest my soul into, so to speak, or invest my energy into? And psychology seemed like a great fit. Um, And for me, maybe I I used this example earlier because it's part of my own life that Although engineering certainly can help people, for me, the more direct uh, psychology felt like a a better fit. My mind goes so many different places, but first I just want to say thank you for putting that together Um, very concisely too, which, you know, I'm thinking how many years of a journey has it been Mm -hmm. for you since you first started college till now? Any rough snapshot, Taylor? In terms of my career choice, that aspect of it, oh gosh, that's even a hard question to answer Um, because, you know, my interest even within psychology kept on shifting. The process I talked about was 10 years ago and then finally shifting to the point where I was like, I'm going to pursue counseling psychology in specific was about five years ago. So that whole time from being like, I want to do engineering to I'm pursuing a PhD in counseling psych was about a five-year journey. So it, it takes a while, right? And I, I switched my major twice. I actually originally, my first plan was to switch from chemical engineering to materials engineering because I, I could do less math, right? That I could maybe not hit that ceiling. So technically I switched my major twice um, within, you know, my freshman year of college. So yeah, I mean, I, I obviously everybody's story is different, but just to really validate that, like, this is an ongoing journey. And then just finally now, you know, I'm, I'm going to have my PhD and start pursuing my career. But obviously not everybody goes to grad school, but it, I hope it does give a sense of that it wasn't what I arrived with my first day, you know, freshman year of college looks 
nothing like what I ended up pursuing. I think that's so important. And I think it's helpful to, to hear from people who seem pretty secure and stable in their career choice that it wasn't always that way. It wasn't this linear process to get here. And there's hope. Like you can still emerge uh, in something that fits you, whatever, whatever you are and whatever you need, you can still get there. I'm wondering, you mentioned the ceiling several times, and I wonder if we could zoom in on that. From your experience and also trying to bring in students and what they have told us, because I think that that can really be a point of crisis. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, yeah, say more about the ceiling when you're in you know, a, a major. Yeah. I think in high school, there's this certain sense that everybody should pass every general course, right? And that generally there's certain bars of, of what, you know, benchmarks to hit. When you go into college, we may carry that mindset, but it's not true, uh, you know, because you're going so in depth in different fields that you may not have the skill set to pursue certain majors, you know, that that's, you know, everybody's different. We all have different strengths. We all have different areas of growth. Some things are easy for us. Some things are hard for us, you know, and I think one example I, I think of that from my own life is so I was in engineering with a friend of mine who was also in engineering and we both, uh, we took a theater class as an elective our freshman year. And, you know, for me, theater was the one break from all this engineering and being like, oh, thank goodness, you know, you know, an easier class. And for my friend, he did amazing in engineering and he was, you know, he ended up graduating with his chemical engineering degree and he's doing fine now. He, he has a nice, nice career making lots of money. You know, he, he followed the path I had originally intended, but theater was like the one class he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get an A, <laughs> you know, it kind of, it was like a struggle for him, you know, and, and for me, I was just like, how, how's that possible? So I, I say that example to say that I think sometimes people feel like that even if they're hitting a ceiling in the field that they initially chose that they're unintelligent or they're incapable or that they don't have anything to offer. And that's so untrue um, that it may be you're hitting a ceiling for that very narrow field, but you have talents that could be applied so well in other fields. And that doesn't make the pain of having a ceiling any easier, but to acknowledge that just because you're hitting a ceiling in a particular subject or a particular field, uh, it doesn't mean you're not bright, you know, and, and especially, you know, at UF, you're competing with people who, you know, are you're, you're, you're not competing with, but your classmates are people who are all very, very bright, you know, that this is a school, you know, very success oriented school. So um, if you're not doing as well as somebody else in a particular subfield, it, it doesn't mean that you're incapable. It just means that perhaps your skills are best applied elsewhere, or maybe, you know, I think of an example of, I know of people who actually ended up being really, sorry, I keep on using the example of engineering, but who have been super successful in engineering, like love their jobs, you know, that they're so happy to be an engineer. But gosh, if you looked at their transcript in college, it was rough, actually, particularly with math of like, you know, just scraping by with the with the minimum grade possible. And they had the fight for that because it really was hitting their ceiling of potential in math or in theoretical, you know, whatever, Calc 3, linear algebra, that stuff. But when they got into the workforce, they're great. They're amazing engineers. Um, So success within a class, you know, I I guess I say that to say that sometimes 
if you're having a hard time or hitting a ceiling in a particular subject, it may be a matter of kind of pushing through, getting that very minimum grade, and then you know, kind of moving on, putting it in the rearview mirror, and then keeping on going in your area of interest. Or it may be if it's happening across lots of classes, kind of exploring, you know, uh, self-care. You know, are you able to get enough sleep? Are you able, are there other factors in your life making it so stressful that you can't give the energy needed to those classes? Um, so exploring that. And then eventually, if it seems like ongoing that something isn't quite the right fit, well, thinking about what's a field that is uh, fulfills similar values or is similar in topic, but might be a better fit. You know, I would say to any student facing what feels like a ceiling, like, you know, let's explore that. Let's look into that. You know, is, is this a matter of push? You know, you're great at engineering, but math is just, you know, kicking your butt. Um, is it a matter of adjusting lifestyle elements or there's other factors that we can help you? Or maybe maybe another major would be a better fit. So there's just lots of options. And I think speaking back to my story earlier, of there were times when I was pursuing engineering staying up late, putting hours into homework that my friends could do in 30 minutes and to validate, it was miserable. It was absolutely miserable. I was not happy. It is super stressful, but there are paths. There are things that can be done to be able to support you. And I think uh, the CWC here plugging ourselves, we can support you. And also the Career Connection Center you know, University of Florida has a great career center called uh, the CCC Career Connection Center that they can provide a lot of the support too of saying, oh, you're interested in this field, but you're not sure about it. Well, you know, maybe you can do XYZ internship, right? That, that, that they can help do that career coaching as well. I'm so grateful for everything that you're saying right now. And I, I love the way you frame the different curiosities that you would have mm-hmm. for students who are approaching a ceiling and that there's there's multiple possibilities for where that exploration can go. It doesn't always mean that you've hit your true limit mm-hmm. and you need to totally change your life and your life course, although I think that's a common fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it may mean that, and that really can be okay. It doesn't feel okay. It can be really challenging to figure it out, but there is support and you certainly are in very good company if that's something that you're discovering. I knew from a very early age that it was humanities for me. I loved humanities. I, um, they even squeaked me into gifted based on my language art scores as a small child and didn't hit the mark in math, but it was enough of a shift that they let me sneak in. And I think from then on, it was just, you know, the arts, the humanities, reading, writing, literature, teaching, connecting. That was where I was at home. And so I didn't have to struggle with discovering that I wasn't as good at math or science as I needed to be because I always kind of knew that wasn't where my mm. my natural ability was and it wasn't where I lit up yeah. as a person. I was looking for a combination of natural ability and enjoyment because I really thought that's where I can make my contribution in my life. And But I wanted it to feel natural. And that was a value for me. Mm. And I think that because of that, I never hit, I never really hit an academic ceiling, but I changed my major 
because I was bored and I didn't feel stimulated. And that can be another reason why folks might consider changing. Absolutely. And I was going to say, I appreciate you naming that too, right? If it's not just a matter of feeling, yeah, feeling like it's too much or, you know, it's overwhelming. It could be another thing of like, sure, you know, it sounds like in your case, like you're, you're, you were good at your major, like, you know, it was within your realm of interest, but it just wasn't quite enough. Yeah, I needed more. And initially, I started out as an English major, and then I took an elective, which electives can be mind-blowing sometimes. Um, we can be exposed to something we never really thought about. And I, I took an African politics class at UF. It just blew my mind. I thought, where was all this information when I was going to mm-hmm. school? Uh, just more in-depth study of the impact of colonization uh, on the African continent and just all of the... Uh, dynamics that have played out as a result of of colonization and slavery. And uh, I just, I was so stimulated and I switched to politics. That's that's all it took. And then by the end of my undergrad, uh, mostly studying things like the politics of poverty in the United States and social inequities, I was really depressed. Mm -hmm. Like I was suicidal. I was, you know, I had experienced by then, you know, the sexual assault in college as a female and some addiction issues and just health problems as a result of that. And so a number of things had happened in my life and staring into the enormity of those issues in our country and in our world had just also taken a big toll on me emotionally. And I didn't see a career path as I was graduating that would allow me to feel healthy and whole and still make a difference. I, I really, you know, maybe this is some white fragility coming up, but I really felt like that would consume me in a way that wouldn't be good for anyone. And so I took some time off and I graduated not knowing what the hell was going to come next. And I I worked, I got a full-time job um, as a nutrition assistant for a study at the University of Florida. I cooked low-fat meals in a test kitchen for old ladies for UF for a year full-time and just thought, about my life and got some help and had a chance to reflect. And, you know, at times really wondered, gosh, I I always thought I was going to, you know, get my doctorate kind of thing. I thought I was going places. And I, I wondered at times if that would be true, but really out of that experience, cooking, cooking food, I learned that my favorite part of that job was when I got to call the women in the study and ask them about their lives. And they told me that their husband had just passed away or they'd just gotten diagnosed with cancer. And that planted the seed for where I am today. And, and if I had tried to see that, you know, from some of those places on my journey, I just wasn't there yet. Like I needed to layer in these life experiences, many of them very challenging to get to a place where it all kind of clicked. And I think that's something that, again, it's much easier to say from here, but I don't know that our 
our society, our culture does a great job of supporting people when you get to a point on your journey where you really can't see like around the bend yet. You just, you don't have that vista. You don't have that perspective. It feels like a dead end, you know, and that that's a valid place to be. And sometimes we need to be there before the clouds part or before the fog lifts and we can really kind of see, see what's next. Absolutely. I'm so, I'm so glad to hear your story as well of, yeah, sometimes we're just not ready, right? In terms of just like, it's, it's more just about kind of getting through the next, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month. And, you know, the fact that you took time for yourself of, you know, you recognized with your major that it was, you know, it was pushing you in a way that didn't seem like a good fit, especially at the time and, you know, kind of taking time for yourself and then discovering something that, you know, through what my dorky research mind would, would call kind of a work-based learning experience, you know, kind of this, this thing, right. Of, you know, that you, in your, this job, you're doing the kind of the pay the bills, you know, that you saw through that work experience that you're like, Oh, I'm really into connecting with people. And that's led you to, to pursue your PhDs in counseling or. Yeah. Mental, you know, mental health counseling. Mental yep, health counseling. Counselor ed. Yeah. And I, I got my master's and they, I started my doctorate and again, actually, cause this isn't just an undergrad thing. Uh, I started my doctorate and towards the end of my first semester, I was once again, so burned out. Mm. So I had gotten my master's degree, but I just, I hit a wall and I, dropped out. I thought I would never go back. And I started my own house cleaning business. So I schlepped mops and rags and stuff around Gainesville in my crappy little car for about nine months um, and just listened to podcasts and cleaned kitchens and toilets and thought about my life. And you know, I needed that distance and I, I had two master's degrees, but it but I just I needed some space to reflect and you know, it was a, one day I was cleaning somebody's toilet and splashed a whole lot of toilet water in my face accidentally. Mm. And it was at that moment that I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back mm. to, so I had another work-based learning experience um, that, you know, that just clicked. And again, it, yeah, it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy road. Um, it had lots of twists and turns and I needed a fair bit of counseling at different points along the way to really help me regroup and lick my wounds and, you know, figure things out. Yeah. I so appreciate hearing that and kind of that, you know, really the, the aspect that your career like was not linear, right? That there are moments they needed to step back. You know, you mentioned of getting support and counseling, which I think is huge, absolutely huge, especially when I think for college students, you know, amongst their peers, there may be pressure percent if they're, you know, if you're feeling like, maybe my major isn't the right fit. I'm thinking about changing my major. That might be really hard to say to your peers that are also in the same major, right? That there's pressure, you know, getting that kind of outside perspective of a counselor or even some of the career coaching at the career center, just getting that outside support can be super helpful if somebody that's really there to support you kind of regardless of what choice you make. And I think that that gives a certain freedom uh, to really explore how you're feeling. Yeah. What, else seems important to add to this conversation, Taylor? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I, 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 I could talk about this all day. But I think one thing for students is, you know, I would really encourage them to have self-compassion. Um, I know that that's kind of a trendy term right now. But really, truly, of if you do not have your life figured out, that is normal. 
it is more unusual to, to go in as a college freshman, you know, know exactly what you want to do and then pursue that with no bumps, no, you know, no major bumps. And you, you go and you pursue a career in that field. That is, it's lovely for people who do have that, but it is certainly not the norm. Uh, that there's usually some sort of bump, there's some sort of, you know, some stepping back and being like, wait, is this the right path for me? Or, you know, uh, switching uh, your field between undergrad and grad school, or people end up doing careers that had nothing to do with their undergrad major. And that's totally fine. So just really normalizing that if you're struggling with your career choice or um, any aspect of your career development, that that's totally normal. Um, totally, totally normal. There's so much pressure on 17, 18 year olds to know exactly what they're going to do for the rest of their life when, you know, that, that, that's not fair to them. So that's one big thing. And the other thing that I would say it's huge, huge, huge is I think in college, there's a huge emphasis on classes and grades and, you know, your GPA and all that. And while that, that is important to some extent, what really matters is, are you going to be successful in the work environment? You know, when you actually do the job of, you know, engineer, doing the engineering work versus the engineering classes, you know, depending on how close they match, might be a little closer. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are so focused on the classes and so focused on the grade that they're kind of missing like, hey, this is to prepare you for a career in the field. So if you want to learn more about what may be a good fit, go into the field, you know, do volunteering, do an internship. I know a lot of times students are very busy, so I want to be respectful of that. But really the best way to explore is, and, you know, using that jargony term work-based learning experience, but that is, you know, the research has shown that that is so meaningful of what you actually get practice with in the field guides your career choice so much more than I liked ABC class. And can maybe even give you the extra motivation, Mm -hmm. grit, resilience, perspective, et cetera, to push through those classes to accept your happy C's, which I'm assuming is like the best you represent your best effort yep. was that C you earned that C you felt good about that C you worked hard, yeah, worked hard, right? for that you C. hard for that C um, that it can, it can pull you along in ways that are surprising um, that without that real world experience, mm-hmm. you may lose steam more quickly. And then at the same time, the real world experience can help clarify that maybe it's not worth the all nighters every single night of your life to pass that count class or whatever. Maybe you want a different lifestyle because frankly, you didn't even enjoy it that much when you were in the field. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, no, it's a real, a real opportunity to to either give you that push. If you like, you know, you know, you love engineering, you know, you love working on cars or on, um, you know, if you're doing like product, I don't know, entrepreneurship, like you love doing that creativity, but gosh, that math class is kicking your butt. You know, it might push you to, to make it through. And conversely, if you go and you have those experiences and they are not fulfilling at all, you might look at that math class and kind of say, you know what, maybe I want to do a different major. <laughs> um, so it can go both ways. And that's just the beauty and the value of those experiences. Um, so absolutely. That would be my other main takeaway is like, if you feel really stuck in your career exploration to just try things. And then if you can't do that, you know, if it's busy scheduling issues, talk to somebody who works in that field, you can get a good secondhand perspective as well by talking to somebody who is successfully employed in that field or happily employed in that field. And, you know, if you connect with them, if you resonate with that, that might be a good sign. And conversely, if you, you see that they're talking happily about something that does not interest you one bit, 
might tell you something. And that's where you had spoken about, you know, the term I learned was like cultural capital that mm-hmm. gets reinforced through generations of families. And so if you're first gen, just for example, uh, you may not know as many of those personal connections in your network. And that can be that can be a challenge to like, well, how do I even find somebody who will tell me what it's like for them in this role? And that's where I, as a first generation student myself, I would encourage you to go to academic advisors, go to the Career Connection Center, uh, come to the CWC, talk to your professors. There is a network here. You just have to tap into it and make yourself known. So it's it surprising things can happen when you alert the people around you that you're that you're looking for. You would really love to uh, sit down over Zoom or the phone these days and ask a practicing attorney what is it their day-to-day life like as a practicing attorney. Um, you, you don't be shy about uh, inquiring because UF is itself a massive network and folks will help. I just, I didn't even know what to ask. Um, and so I passed through this amazing community, keeping my head down and really missing out on a, a lot of, I think a lot of people would have extended their hands if they had just known that I needed a little extra help. Absolutely. You said it perfectly, really, of, yeah, academic advisors, the Career Connection Center, that like there are people, people who are happily employed in their fields, they want to give back, especially to another UF student, right, or to a, to a fellow, uh, to a fellow Gator, you know, that there are people that definitely want to give back, they want to help you, they're happy to tell you about their career. But it is that just that matter of, you know, kind of sticking your neck out and reaching out a little bit, um, that I think, unfortunately, that that's a skill that isn't as named and isn't as taught, especially as it relates to career exploration. So I really appreciate you naming that, that the both that the help is there, that there are people who are happy to tell you about their experiences, but also that, that you know, that it may not pop up like uh, spontaneously, right? That you may have to reach out and uh, take that first step. Thank you so much, Taylor, for this conversation. I am sitting here just really appreciating where we are in this moment, but also, man, what a journey it's been. And, and I'm grateful that this wasn't a conversation that just made it all seem super easy. Mm. Um, if it's not super easy, you are not alone. There's lots of people right there with you and, and encourage you to ask, um, also ask people, how did you, how did you get here and see what they will tell you? You might be really surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for having me. You know, I I love talking about career exploration, you know, and being able to support UF students in that way. It's such a big part of their lives. And so, so glad that you gave us the space to talk about it today. Thank you, Taylor. And if you enjoyed the conversation with Taylor, check out some of his other episodes with us that will be out in season three. Thanks, Taylor. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash cwctalks.